Welcome to the Hat Soil Health Podcast, a production of Hoosier Ag Today and made possible by the Indiana Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative, a program of the Indiana Conservation Partnership. Once a month, we'll spotlight the many efforts around Indiana by CCSI and its many partners to improve soil health on Indiana cropland. Here's the host of the Hat Soil Health Podcast, Eric Pfeiffer. Welcome into the Hat Soil Health Podcast. I am Eric Pfeiffer. Glad to have you along. And today we're on site here at Purdue University in Findlay Hall. And we're talking about some research being done that's important to you, I guarantee it. So we're going to welcome in a couple of young ladies here who have been doing some research. Uh, we're going to uh, chat with Abby Preer and Megan Zagorski. And Abby, let's introduce yourself to folks. Uh, talk about your time here at Purdue and what it is you're doing. Yeah, so I focused on voles in cover crop agriculture and particularly how farmers might be able to manage against vole damage to cover crop soybeans. And this was a master's defense, right? Yep, let's wrap that up in November and happy to be done. We got a, a lot of work done and a lot of good information done for folks. So, and, and Megan, talk a little bit about you, what you're up to as well. Absolutely. So I also worked with Abby. I'm in a master's program and I looked at raptors, specifically how they were relating to cover crop fields. Now, when you're talking about raptors, we're not talking like prehistoric dinosaur raptors, right? In a way, we're talking about birds. Okay. So birds of prey. Okay, and not so. the NBA team in Toronto either. No, no. Okay. Not them either. Okay, because that's where my mind went first, but that's not what we're discussing here today. Uh, we are talking about voles, and, and they have been an issue, particularly in southern Indiana. At least that's what Lisa Holsher from the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative tells me. They got it pretty bad down there in southern Indiana. Abby, let, let's start here with you. Talk about some of the research, uh, how it went, ultimately why you decided to focus on this. Yeah, so I'll answer your last question first. So um, some farmers can be tentative about getting into new practices like cover cropping. And one of the barriers with this practice is that people hear about vole damage to their crops. And so we were approached some of the folks in the um, NRCS about maybe getting a handle on vole damage so that we could jump out ahead of this issue and get solutions for people who are a little tentative about using cover crops. And so I focused on three different projects with my research. The first was simply to look at what types of cover crops voles like to eat and what types they don't eat um, so that farmers could either avoid using cover crops that voles think are tasty um, or plant uh, cover crop species that voles want to avoid. Um, and that was so that hopefully those two factors can be used to keep voles out of fields, out of cover crop fields so that they don't stick around and eat soybeans later in the summer. Um, my second project was to look at qualities or particular aspects of fields um, that might attract voles aside from the cover crop um, plants. So I looked at soil types and what the weather was like in particular years and tried to kind of pick out um, different factors that um, predicted whether or not voles were going to be an issue in fields or during certain times of year. Um, and then I also looked at um, farm management strategies such as whether or not people use tillage or whether they terminated cover crops well ahead of planting soybeans, things like that. Um, and again, picked out particular features that were helping um, keep voles out of fields. And then my last project was to um, find a way that 
Farmers could scout for vole sign and hopefully predict whether or not voles were going to be an issue in that year so that they had kind of a short-term tool to um, see whether or not they should be worried about voles. Because um, it's a lot of a lot of work to manage against voles, and so we we don't want to send farmers out there to to get rid of voles if if they're not really going to be a problem in that year. Now we were talking a little bit beforehand that uh, neither of you necessarily come from a, a farming background, but but this still intrigued you nonetheless to to do this. And and you mentioned NRCS coming to chat with you about it. Mm-hmm. Talk talk a little bit more about that decision to to focus in on this and why it was important for you to help farmers, given your background not in agriculture necessarily. Yeah. So. Megan and I are kind of unique in that we can focus on the animal side of the issue, right? So so we know a lot about boulder raptors and what um, what parts of their lifestyles contribute to them um, damaging soybeans or helping avoid damaging soybeans. Um, so, you know, with my background in wildlife and natural resources, I'm really interested in how research or wildlife knowledge can be applied um, to to help make things better. Um, and so this project, the intersection of voles and farming, was really interesting for me because not only do I get to re- do research and find out new interesting things, but it also gets to apply to help other people outside of the wildlife community. And Megan, how about you? What, what interested you in this particular area? Well, the project itself was very intriguing, using raptors as potentially uh, a natural control instead of chemicals. And I also am very interested in the applied aspects of science, of how we can improve, use ecology to improve farming practices. So so let's go back a little bit here. Uh, again, I'm with Abby Preer and Megan Zagorski, and we're here on the Hat Soil Health Podcast. It's presented by the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative of Indiana. You can find more about their programs and upcoming events at ccsin.org. Uh, Abby, you, you mentioned a lot of things that you were focusing on with your research. Uh, one that we talk about frequently on this podcast, cover crops and, and folks getting into that. But you found uh, that there were some cover crops that worked better to prevent voles and some not so much, right? Yeah, so I was only able to test um, the palatability or the the tastiness of cover crops to voles. Um, And what I found is that voles really don't like the brassica uh, cover crops. So things like radish, turnip, and canola, those were the three that I tested that voles didn't like. Um, and on the flip side, they really like nitrogen fixers, so things like clovers and vetches and alfalfa. Um, and then we also suspect that the type of cover quality that cover crops provide, so how how thick or tall cover crops are, that that contributes as well to bulls being willing to use cover crops. Um, so maybe things like cereal rye, which is a really popular um, Cover crop species, as you know, provides really great cover and um, prevents things like Megan's raptors from coming in and and eating the voles. Um, so they may like qualities like that as well. So so talk about that. You, you mentioned the natural aspect here and a lot of conservation practices where we're trying to move away from some of that chemical application. Uh, so, so talk about that aspect right there. Some of these covers that maybe don't work uh, for the raptors coming in to try to take care of this problem naturally, if you will. Yeah, so in general, raptors like to, uh, so most of our hawks that are active during the day are going to be hunting by sight, 
Um, there's one exception, but I won't get into that. Um, so they like to be able to see. So you need cover that is sparse enough for them to spot the movement or the trails that these voles will create in soybeans or their natural habitat. So you need that, and you also need perches. So most of our raptors will use hunt from perches because that's just more energetically efficient. You can just kind of sit, wait for a vole to come along. So th there's multiple aspects of the cover and habitat that are required. But then you also have owls that will hunt by um, hearing. And so they're a little bit potentially less impacted by this cover, but it's still more difficult for them to access the small mammals. And, and talk about how the two of you collaborated on this. So, I mean, there, there ha there's some overlap, obviously, in, in what you're doing. Talk about the collaboration and, and the relationship between the two of you that made the relationship between your research projects really work. Sure. So one of my projects was looking specifically in cover-cropped soybean fields, whether we could add artificial perches to attract raptors to into these fields to potentially hunt. And so I had these perches up over the winter, and then Abby went in and trapped to look at whether the perches were affecting the vole populations themselves. Um, so it was definitely a very close collaboration um, in certain aspects, let's say. Yeah, so um, what we found there is that the vole populations just weren't abundant or high enough th in the years that we worked, unfortunately, um, to really get a handle on whether or not those perches are having an effect. But it makes sense that the more things out in your field that you have that can eat voles, um, the better. <laughs> <laughs> that certainly does make sense. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, now, you mentioned, Abby, that, that you also did some, some research around the, the soil types uh, tillage, no-till. Talk about what you found with that research. Yeah, so that was really interesting. Um, what we found is that whether or not there's snow cover um, actually affects voles the most. And um, years or certain fields that don't receive as much snow cover, those are the years or, or lo locations that um, voles are going to be most likely to use. So if we have a really heavy snowfall or a really snowy winter, um, farmers might anticipate not having as much of a problem with voles that year. Now the soil types that you mentioned, um, voles tend to like loamy, friable soil. So for familiar people who are familiar with um, soil classes, bee soil classes, um, are most preferred by voles. So if farmers have fields that have those loamy type soils, those might be the locations where voles will cause the most trouble. And then as far as um, tillage, what we found was that folks who did in a form of conservation tillage, such as strip tillage or um, vertical tillage, those fields would have vole damage. Um, however, for that aspect, you exercise caution as obviously tillage is not ideal if you're trying to implement um, soil conservation practices. And we don't know if whether or not um, implementing tillage might reverse some of the benefits that people are trying to see by using cover crops in the first place. So all that information can kind of go into the stew and people can kind of cherry pick what they want to use. But those are the aspects that we found are most important to um, predicting vole damage. 
And it, it seems to me, again, we're on the Hat Soil Health podcast. I'm with Abby Preer and Megan Zagorski there. Uh, just completed a master's defense here at Purdue University, uh, and this this is presented by the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative of Indiana. But it, it seems like when you're when you're trying to figure out research things, you're doing a, a similar process as to what farmers are doing. Let's pick and choose some of these things. Let's figure out what's going to be uh, most effective to, in their case, grow crop. In your case, figure out how to eliminate this problem that farmers have. Is it a similar thought process? You think? I. In a way, yeah, um, you know, we like to test as much as we can, and then with our data, we're able to kind of throw a spotlight on things that might work or might not work. Um, and and we do try to, as scientists, work in an adaptive management framework. Um, so, you know, things that, that don't work, um, you know, maybe you want to drop those and test something else the next time, and I know, that's kind of how we're hoping farmers might implement some of these these findings of our research is that you know um, try try grazing or mowing your cover crops one year see if that works for you see if you see a reduction in wool damage and if you don't try something else the next year um, and kind of work in a systematic manner like that now Megan what did you find most interesting from your research uh, that that really you think farmers might be able to take and utilize? Yeah, so two of my three chapters are most relevant to farmers. Um, I always talked about the artificial perch research. So that research, we were successful in attracting raptors to using these perches. So we had um, four species that used the perches. So we had our great horned owls, uh, red-tailed hawks, American kestrels, and then our rough-legged hawks. So they all use the perches, but we found that overall our perch use is relatively low, which we think could be related to the fact that there were very few voles in the fields the past two years. Um, so that farmers just need to see they do work, but will they affect vole populations? We weren't really able to tell. Um, However, we only had three of our perches in these fields and potentially adding more perches to field. I mean, three perches in a 40-acre field, let alone a 100, 200-acre field isn't much. Um, so potentially that. And then also just adding those potential perch sites into the interiors of the fields. Those were our most used sites in the 200 meters away from the field edge, not on the field edge, into the actual field interior were our most used sites. Now, now talk to me about these perches. When, when you say perches, what is it exactly that you mean? Are these permanent fixtures that need, that need to stay in the field? Are they ones that could be removed so that farmers could get equipment through better? What types of perches are we talking about? So the perches that we implemented were, are, are, were removable perches. So the idea was that in the fall, you har harvest, plant your cover crop. Once you're done in the field, put these just removable perches out. So this is a T-post with a one-inch aluminum conduit and just a two-inch dowel rod with a PVC T-connector, very simple. Um, and then in the fall, or sorry, in the spring, before you want to get into the field, you just remove the perch, and then the next year you put it back in. Now, one way to potentially increase predation would be to put out a more permanent perch in maybe a grass waterway or an area that you're not going to be using. Um, so that's one potential uh, solution to getting more predation. 
Abby, uh, what did you find most interesting in your research that, that you hope farmers take away from what you did? Oh, boy. That's a tough question because we did a lot of research. <laughs> by, by the way, how long did this research take over over the course of what period of time were you, were you working on this? Yeah, so we were both here um, from the fall of 2017 and are just leaving now in December 2019. Um, however, we did, I, I at least used data as well from 2016. Um, so it took us about two and a half years to design our projects, to collect data, um, to do analysis, and to write it all up. And so now we're finally able to get some information out to people um, through things like podcasts or publications and um, letters to farmers. So, And here I am asking you to pick your favorite thing for the past <laughs> two and a half years. Do it. Let's go. What yeah. is it? <laughs> um, well, I think the most fun thing I got to do was to do the, the feeding trials to test the palatability of cover crops because I, I got to... Um, hold on to some some cute little voles in pens and I had one that would come out and chew on my shoes which was pretty neat to to interact with an animal like that um, I think my most interesting finding though oh there's so many I think the the field quality project or the field attributes is really interesting because it really allows farmers to pinpoint where they're going to have problems and I think that's um, an important part of our research is is where should you focus your efforts because farm farms these days and farm management is so huge um, so we don't expect farmers to go out and manage for voles in all of their fields so being able to say that these soil types and these weather conditions and um, are going to be most important to voles and so those are the fields you're going to focus on and then with the scouting methods that I developed farmers can can go can go out into those fields and and see whether or not voles are going to be an issue. So I think that's my favorite part is is just um, confirming the the tools that farmers can use to um, to get ahead of this vol vol issue. Talk to me a little bit about farmer involvement in in the research. I imagine at some point there there had to be some conversations had some yeah. some collaboration with farmers to talk about some some practices that could be implemented and researched, right? Yeah. So so our biggest collaboration with farmers, which we're so grateful for, was really um, farmers allowing us into their fields. Um, a lot of the conversations about methodologies that we might test or certain ideas came a lot from the NRCS or the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative that I know you guys collaborate with. Um, so, yeah, we had a lot of help from a lot of different people. Um, but the, the boots on the ground work um, really, really depended on farmers just allowing us into their fields to collect data. And, and I imagine, you know, getting your purchase set up, but was this a foreign idea to some folks? Not really, actually. So some of our collaborating farmers were already considering increasing predation. So whether that be not hunting coyotes, but they were also considering adding perches to, if they had a cattle, ran or cattle ranch, adding it to a fence post or just increasing any way they could manage voles and purchase were one of them so very good all right so now uh the research is done the mm -hmm. uh the master's defense is completed what is next for megan well i'm currently applying for jobs um working on getting the, my three manuscripts out and published so that uh, farmers and the conservation community can apply the results 
And for Abby? Yeah, so about the same thing. I'm looking for wildlife biologist jobs and um, working on getting the information that we got out of our research out into the universe um, through publications. Um, we'll be sending out some letters with recommendations for what farmers can do, um, doing podcasts, things like that, so that um, all of our hard work, work can be um, put into practice, hopefully. Now, I may have skipped over this part at the beginning. Where were you from originally? I'm from McDonough, Georgia, originally. Okay. Um, and that's where I got my, my first degree at the University of Georgia. Go dogs. Um, and have worked all around the country until landing here in Indiana. Yes, I'm from Beaver, Pennsylvania, which is about 45 minutes northwest of Pittsburgh. Okay. And I went to Gettysburg College for my undergraduate degree and then worked in Pittsburgh and then out in Minnesota with their agricultural community out there. Very good. Well, we, uh, we appreciate your time at, here in Indiana and at Purdue University and, and getting this information uh, out to farmers. We, we certainly appreciate that. Is there anything else that we need to cover here, some information that you need to get in the hands of farmers before we end this podcast? Um, I'd say just go slow and take it one at a time and don't just jump on the tillage train because you're scared of voles. Um, again, in the years that we worked, um, 2017 and 2018, we saw very, very little wool damage. So this isn't going to be an issue every single year. Um, so yeah, don't be afraid to use cover crops and just uh, get out in your fields and take a look before you do anything crazy. <laughs> I definitely agree with that. Yeah. So just looking at eco broader ecology, uh, getting those predators out in the field, looking at the vol habitat, increasing your pollinator habitat, just so looking at it holistically. Abby Preer, Megan Zagorski, thank you so much for joining us here on the Hat Soil Health Podcast. We certainly appreciate your time. Thank you. That does it for this edition of the Hat Soil Health Podcast. You can find soil health events at ccsin.org. From the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative, proud sponsor of this podcast, we appreciate their partnership as well. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. This has been a production of Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's Farm Network.